Reese's are the best. Mm. They really are. Oops. Yeah. Love peanut to, butter. I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on a hunt for a Reese's. Mm-hmm. I told you there's a fucking bag of them in the pantry. You don't have to dig through the pumpkin head to find the <laughs> Reese's. There's a bag in the pantry. She meant hunt like as in like escargot. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That, how hard can it be to find snails? You just look under the wood. That's probably where they were picking up those wood pieces. Stink wood. Stink All wood. of it. That's not a hunt. But we're back. <laughs> oh. Continuing. <laughs> Continuing part two of Weird Brunch. The continuation. That's the continuing the continuation. That's what we're calling it. It's scientific. Oh, my God. I'm not as high as Lisa is. I'm not. Mm-hmm. MIP. Oh, boy. Mm. Karina, you ready to? Yeah, you, should we jump back into part two? We should. I mean, we can, but are you ready to have Whitney and I on your coattails during this episode? Yeah. She's like, you mean left in my dust? Yes. No. What? What's coattails? What do you mean? Yeah. Welcome to Weird Brunch. Okay. <laughs> okay, Karina, go. <laughs> Fuck me, man. What is Woo! happening? <laughs> my other empty mug um go listen to episode 52 all the way through or no this is gonna make sense can you jump in where we left off so quick recap france 1890 mysterious death of a guy named monsieur gouffet gouffet uh they find a stinky trunk they find a body in leon they figure out it's him and that he was taken in a trunk on a train by a guy named A-Rod and his mistress, Gabrielle Bompard. They are wanted for the murder of Gouffet. Cops can't find him. There's an awesome cop named Garan who's on the case. He's been solving shit left and right. Uh, And then one day, Gabrielle shows up, turns herself in at the police station, says, I did it. Uh, Nobody can find A-Rod. Last he was seen was in America somewhere. And then she confesses the whole story, but it turns out that if you hypnotize her, you get even more of the story and a lot of emotion and terror. But as soon as she's out of hypnosis, she acts like she barely was there and doesn't really give a shit about any of it. Dun, dun, dun. Today. (laughs) So, Gabrielle Bompard was like kind of a lower middle class kid who was troubled, always getting into trouble growing up. And uh, just kind of couldn't stay on the straight and narrow, ran away from home and came to Paris. And when she got to Paris, she hooked up with a guy who hypnotized her. And it was like super duper easy. And she'd been hypnotized a lot as a kid by like family friends and stuff was this just a pastime or something like did people yes really yes fuck that let's talk about hypnotism okay please i mean when you don't have tv there you go (laughs) this is what happens to people when you don't have tv so hypnotism is huge in the 1860s through 1900s. I mean, this is like seance time and shit. It totally is seance time, but it's mostly hypnotism time because hypnotism is considered at the time a science. It's not like an occult thing. It was like like, very fucking serious. Got to remember, this is literally uh, one of the people who went to the morgue to look at the trunk was Sigmund Freud, who was in Paris studying hypnotism. Because like he was trying to figure out his hypnotherapy. Yeah, hypnotherapy was like one of his big things for his early psychotherapy things. He moved away from it, but like that whole classic thing of a therapist dangling Mm -hmm. a watch in front of you to put you to sleep, all comes from this time period. Mm. Um, And it was kind of popularized in the seventeen sixties, seventeen seventies by a guy named Mesmer, which is why it's still called Mesmerized. I love it. Seriously. That I no. Yep, that's seriously <laughs> that's, true. This is where I'm Please. drawing the line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't 
No. She doesn't yep. believe that. Yeah. That's the thing she chooses Mesmer? not to believe. Mesmer. He uh, popularized That's it. A, is that his last name? That's his last name. Oh, I thought it was his first name. Nope. Uh, I can immediately it. turned it into kind of the parlor trick that we know it as today. It had a terrible reputation until it started being taken th- seriously by like early psychotherapists in mm-hmm. um, Germany, Austria, and France in the 1860s. Started to get studied seriously at universities, especially in Paris and Nancy, which is another city in France. Nancy. Nancy. I'm from so there Nance. Was two schools of hypnotism. France. The Nancy School and the Saltpeter School in France, which is Paris, basically. So the Saltpeter School was that hypnotherapy is an interesting temporary phenomenon that can be used to get at the subconscious and had mostly applications in psychotherapy. This is who Freud was studying with. Lots of empirical evidence that it was a useful tool for lowering people's kind of inhibitions, hearing their deeper thoughts. Wanting Some of the, a lot of the same father. stuff that hypnotherapy is still taking Freud. seriously for today. The Nancy school was that there's literally an alternate state of consciousness that you can slip into when you're hypnotized called a second state and that a person could do almost anything in that second state. And there was a, like a new frontier of humanity to be discovered. Hmm. Real creepy shit, freaking a lot of people out, but they had been doing a lot of experiments on this stuff, including, Ooh, I got to find this. This is fun. I'm going to read this one. So all this this story, I researched it from a couple different sources, but for the most part, it comes from a book, by the way, called Little Demon in the City of Light. And I highly recommend it if you want to like read all the details of this case. Um, but here's just one experiment from the Nancy School. Um, Professor Bernheim had a subject take a specific action 63 days after hypnosis. Professor Bonis after 172 days. But the main guy at the head of this school, Professor Liajois, had one of his participants take an action a full 365 days after being hypnotized. So that's being like, Lisa, you're hypnotized in five weeks or obviously in, more in one year in one year you're yep. gonna wake up in the morning and bark like a dog in my face yep here's what he did one year experiment started on october 12th i expect right you to now? do that october 12th 1885 liegeois told a hypnotized eye patient that he would return to the doctor's office exactly a year later to thank him for the treatment then he would embrace himself and the doctor upon seeing them, and then he would hallucinate a monkey and a dog, and the monkey would be carrying the dog, and they would play around, and they'd make funny faces, and then after five minutes, the patient would see a bohemian-type man walk in, followed by a tamed grizzly bear from America, and then the bohemian would happily find the dog and the monkey who he thought he had lost, and then he would make the bear dance. And then as the bohemian was about to leave, the patient would ask Liajois for six cents, which he would hand to the monkey as a donation for the performance. And at the end of this scenario, the patient would be done and could go about his way. Okay. I was about to be like... <laughs> Okay, so he told him to come back a year from now. If I was awake, I would do that and just to fuck with somebody. But yeah. those instructions, I've already forgotten. Yeah, it's insane, right? So according... I think you maybe just hypnotized me. I, I was so high that whole time. <laughs> I, was, I thought all of this really happened. So according to Leah Joie's report, the patient returned at 10, 10 a.m. on October 12th, 1886... And everything went off exactly as ordered, except the patient didn't see the bear. But he saw the dog, he saw the monkey, he saw the bohemian, he asked for six cents to give to the monkey to pay for the performance. Fuck me. He also forgot to hug everybody. Um, And they looked through the notes and they realized that in the hypnotic trance, he had suggested everything three times, but he'd only suggested the hug the first time and he only suggested the bear the last time. So things he suggested (gasps) once, the patient didn't remember, but things he suggested three three times, times, he did. 
They were in the middle. No, he didn't. He was fucking with them. <laughs> they and were just forgot. They were in uh-uh. the middle of another follow-up one-year study when this whole event took place in 1890 to prove that you know it wasn't just a one-off thing. Like they're doing a bigger study, another one-year longitudinal thing to prove that in your second state. Once you're in hypnosis, you could be commanded to do things against your will. This is like sleeper cell shit. Exactly. <laughs> it is. I know. I know. <laughs> so. But imagining someone say that at that time. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, hypnotism was huge. It was so popular. Everybody was doing it. It was a fun parlor game. If you were bored, you were like, do you want to play cards? Like, no, how about, how about we hypnotize Gabrielle and see what happens? <clears throat> she's crazy and yeah and because gabrielle was so easy to hypnotize it was like kind of everybody's favorite game like oh gabrielle's over let's hypnotize her (laughs) and i mean like seriously you read this book and it's like insane every single time every single time gabrielle shows up no matter how serious the situation is somebody's like hey have you tried hypnotizing her it's so fun and then they hypnotize her bro shit just seems just I don't so know. Abusive. It does. <laughs> to me, it's like she was sexually assaulted yes. many, many times it's, under hypnosis. Yes. Very fucked up. Now, here's the big fight between the, the Saltpeter School and the Nancy School. The Saltpeter School has proven time and time and time and time and time again that, yeah, you can get them to see monkeys and make noises like chickens, but you can't get a woman to take her clothes off. Like, you of can't course, get they were like, this against. is what we're pissed about. Well, yeah. <laughs> You can't get someone to act against their morals. But the Nancy school is like, no, we run experiments where like we have given people fake arsenic and had them feed it to their children under hypnosis and they do it. I mean, they or like we give them blank guns and they don't know it's a blank and we get them to shoot people. They hypnotize someone to kill their children. Yeah. Uh, there's a funny the fuck experiment is that it's funny in the te- the retelling it's of the story they're like Lisa, it's that funny. mother was so freaked out she did not come back for the second experiment because yeah Hell she got no. hypnotized to kill her yeah I, mean, I don't want to uh, get hypnotized to kill anything so nancy was like look we don't have a real world example of this but in theory according to our experiments you could totally hypnotize somebody to commit a crime okay so yeah oh right (laughs) oh my god all right you hypnotize me into realizing what's going on here so all of a sudden the papers are exploding oh my god gabrielle bompard was hypnotized to help a rod murder gouffet and they're like oh shit and immediately after Garanger says, hey, you should hypnotize her, it's fun. And they see that she's totally different in the hypnotic state and remembers things much more clearly and is terrified and emotional. They're like, oh, you must have been in a hypnotic state when you did this shit. And that's why it feels real. But when she's not in the hypnotic state, they're like, hey, did A-Rod ever hypnotize you? And she's like, no. Right. So the cops are like, OK, that's just weird. Uh, but you clearly had a hand in the murder, so you're under arrest. So she's arrested, but she's super famous, and Garanger is still by her side, so he's providing her with clothes, and they're like, the way you're arrested as a woman in Paris, you still have to like, go to the park and stuff. Like The cops just go with you. Yeah, like that sounds pretty cool. The press follows you around. It's a real Roxy Hart situation. Mm-hmm, so right. she becomes like the toast of Paris, and everybody's fascinated by this girl who is tiny and flat chested and underdeveloped so much so that she was passed off as a rod as, as his, his daughter son. oh his son for oh. most of the american journey until he needed a daughter to hook garanger in so he was basically using her and his scams as like femme fatale bait um now was he hypnotizing her or was he just beating her because he was definitely beating her a lot like that he was, was doing not, both he he admitted he beat her all the time because at the time you could just say you beat women and nobody gave a shit i was um, like what did she do yeah right you're right <laughs> i would beat her too so she tells the whole story <laughs> of america and all the different aliases he used and all the different places and how she escaped and like they were supposed to go like i said back to somewhere in quebec to get the money but instead they went to new york and then fled to paris and when um a-Rod found out that's when he started writing the panics creepy letters, letters to Paris saying like hey uh she did it 
to our detective r.i.p he's dead now right he thought she'd already made it to the detective mm-hmm. so he like wrote preemptive letters and instead accidentally kind of almost gave himself away if it weren't for the press he would have got caught but he's still at large that's some psycho shit like when you send follow-up text messages mm-hmm. after you say something controversial and then 30 minutes later no one said anything back totally <laughs> it happened to exactly me today it's like no big that. deal it's oh my fine. god <laughs> That it's fine to me maybe at least three times a yeah. week. You're like, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't really like that big a deal. <sighs> Sorry. Anyway, so they tried. <laughs> they're like, hey, so where's A-Rod? And she's like, I don't fucking know. Last I saw him, he was in San Francisco, left high and dry because we didn't give him his money. Ha ha ha. Um, she like hates his guts. She should. Hypnotized or not hypnotized. She fucking hates A-Rod like with a passion. Um. Anyway, she's acting really kind of like fame hungry and non-remorseful and mm-hmm. the press is fascinated by her and Garanger is slowly falling out of love with this bitch because she's like just not cool she's amoral mm-hmm. and she You're she's just called cool. the little demon and she's called the little liar and like nobody believes her and everybody thinks she did it by herself and they kind of tend to believe mm-hmm. A-Rod meanwhile A-Rod is apparently a ladies man who just like has all these conquests all about town and everybody thinks he's the hot shit. Is he? And he's got kind of like this Harrison Ford like Where reputation. Where is he now? Damn. Somewhere. In America? <clears throat> That's last they heard. But okay. they couldn't find him anywhere in America when they, they looked. They just heard he was fucking. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. And her stories back this up. She's like, yeah, he had different women every night. And mm-hmm. He just sounds real cool to Parisians. And of, of the course, 1890s. They're like, you hate the woman. For right. being pissed about that. But they also love the woman. <laughs> for being, In a hate way. Yeah. It's like watching a train wreck. Exactly. You've got it. And hating it. You totally got the entire character of this situation. So, But she loves the fame. So she's just like, sweet, I am famous. And that makes me happy because I'm 20. Yeah. And she's I've basically lived a, a shitty child. life. Yeah. yeah. And I've been hypnotized too many times. So... They're like, okay, well, we got to put you on trial, but we really don't want to do this without A-Rod. So, like, what are we going to do? And the cops are kind of at a standstill. They're like, we've looked all over America. We don't know where to go. We don't have any leads. He used to, A-Rod apparently used to work in South America, so he might have gone there now. Like, Mm -hmm. this is hard. It's hard to search the world in 1890. You know, they just invented telegrams and stuff. Ooh, that sounds hard. uh, Finally... Uh, two things happen. One, Garon gets better. Oh Ta-da! shit! He Garon didn't die. Comes back. I thought he was dead. No, Garon gets better. This he is was, exciting. Yeah, he got better. Um, his eyesight's a little fucked up, and he's definitely worn out. But he's like, I'm on the case. Let's get it. Let's get to it. And he has a hunch, and his hunches are awesome. He's like, All right, I think he's in Mexico. Mm. <gasps> I said Mexico earlier. Yep. As a joke. <laughs> I think he's in Mexico because mm-hmm. when you guys were in New York, everybody was like, he was talking about how he could make so much money in Mexico because he speaks Spanish and whatever. Right. So they're like, okay, well, what do you, what do you think? And he's like, well, if you start try to start a vineyard, probably Baja, California or something like that, like just go to Mexico. And they're mm-hmm. like, so they start going there. And then the French consulate in Cuba calls because there's this really shady guy trying to scam money out of a French national in Cuba. It's a whole involved story. I'm not going to get into it. You should definitely read the book if you want to get it. Um, But basically, A-Rod totally fucks up, tells people his real name, desperately tries to get out of Cuba because he needs to get back to France to head off. Like, he's going to try to kill, basically, Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. Because she knows. Because she knows. And she's telling everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so they catch him. They catch him in Cuba. It's this whole involved thing. Garan goes down there, all his detectives. Uh yeah. They get they have to get him on a steamship because there's no extradition treaty, so they (laughs) trick him onto a French steamship where they can arrest him. Come on to this steamboat. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, it's really it's it's involved. I don't want to get into all the details. I love it. Anyway, so they bring him back and now they've got both of the defendants and they can start the trial of the century it, it was it was huge i mean this is international news everybody's following this um there's a wax museum that is putting a new wax display of like what's going of on the trial. in this case of like 
leading up to the trial of of this is what happens when you don't have tv yeah last name tucson no it's a competitor of madame tussauds like they actually think madame tussauds is all stodgy and boring and british like they're french they do news of the day they do murders Mm -hmm. murder trials they're doing the bloody that's not a flattering picture of you as a wax figure it's the truth (laughs) i couldn't think of the word that's fine. And the museum happens to be across the street from the apartment where the murder happened. So they are having a field day Dang. with this. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so it's it's just the talk of Paris, uh, which is kind of funny because like really important shit's happening in Paris. But this is what everybody's actually paying attention to. Um, how French trials work. This is a bit weird. So you've got to erase the American courtroom drama from your head because French trials are fucked up. (laughs) The judge prosecutes and investigates. And when they're done prosecuting and investigating, says the judge who's interrogating Mm -hmm. the two suspects, and when they've got their mind made up, they go, okay, it's going to trial. They're guilty. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we bring in a jury to decide how to punish them. And then that judge sits on a thing with two other judges who are just like quiet and back him up. And he just runs the trial however he wants. He makes the opening statements. He tells the jury what happened. He doesn't allow anybody to tell any other part of the story. The lawyers are just there to sort of yell at the judge as much as they can and try to stop this from steamrolling. It's so weird. That's insane. Everybody's yelling at each other all the time the jury can yell questions out the the lawyers can yell at any is time it's still like that there's no objections to... no they fixed it oh, so they the jury is just two. there to be like this guy was a better they're argument like, guillotine and 20 years hard labor that's what they can do but they're guilty already there's no innocent until proven guilty the judge decided you were guilty the trial is to determine what's your punishment so i guess that means some people maybe at some point just got off with going to a judge and the judge being like, I guess you're not guilty. Yeah. The judges can like kind of go, no, I'm not going to prosecute. So it's very different and very weird, but, uh, I want to see judge Judy run a courtroom. (laughs) It's kind of like a judge Judy situation. It really is like, it is a people's court style thing where the judge is running the show. That's insane. Um, so, they do get their own lawyers, though, and Gabrielle gets Garanger's personal lawyer, Henri Robert, and Henri Robert turns out to be a real motherfucking badass because he, like, talks to her, figures out the keys of the case, and he's like, you know what? You are not guilty of this crime because you were hypnotized. You are the instrument of the murder. You're the gun, not the murderer, and I am going to prove that in court. And that gets out to the press and everybody freaks out. The whole world freaks out because if this case mm-hmm. works, mm-hmm. you can imagine what that means. Right. That you could claim that you were hypnotized. It's some and sleeper it's sleeper cell shit. <laughs> exactly, right? Sleeper cell shit. And remember, the whole world took hypnotism deadly seriously at this <coughs> point. It was not a sideshow. It was like, no, this is the forefront of mental science. This is We're learning how brains work because of hypnotism. Right. It would be like saying, oh, if you have an MRI and the doctor tells you to murder somebody, at the end of that MRI, you will murder somebody and you don't have a choice about it. Like, and everybody would be like, shit, I didn't know MRIs could do that. Like, people would just believe it because it was science. Yeah. That sounds terrible. He was going in with that defense. And before the trial starts, Garan's like, I still got to get this straight because A-Rod comes in hot and says, I didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle killed him. She choked him. I didn't do anything. I, mean, I tried to. St- I tried saying. to hang him, but the thing broke, and then I was like, "Oh shit, I don't want to do this." And then she finished the job. Yeah, right. That tiny little woman finished the job. Sure. So Garan's like, "We need to sort this out. We're going to go to the scene of the crime. We're going to reenact it." And he goes like to you know all the absurd links he went to with the trunk. He does mm-hmm. that. 
he gets the apartment decorated. He follows through. He follows through. He he got the apartment decorated like it was. He had the two suspects get their haircuts the way they had them that at that point and put on like the clothes they were wearing that day. Like he just went all weird about it. And then everybody goes, marches down there to the apartment and they get in there. And this is the first time A-Rod and Gabrielle have seen each other since splitting off in San Francisco. And they run into each other and just have hot sex in front of everybody. The opposite. Like they're being held back from murdering each other the whole time. It's a fucking disaster. That sounds awesome. Um, Yeah. uh, Gabrielle's screaming at him the whole time. A-Rod is like, get this bitch away from me. And like they can't even pull off the reenactment. Like they try to. But like every time they get to a contentious part, the two try to kill each other. It's They hate each other so much. Oh my god! Flames on the side of their face. Flames on the side of my face. It's not. It's not a successful reenactment at all. They learn nothing, oh, except for the fact oh. that these two cannot even be in the same room as each other. But then they have to be in a courtroom together for a long time. Yep. Uh, so A Rod gets a little lawyer who looks like a devil. Like he literally has a little pointy <laughs> goatee and like, and like twirly mustache. It's hilarious. Oh, I love it's him. so cute. Yeah. And he is he short and like tiny. He's he's short and he's he sucks. He's not very good. Aww. And he's well, like his whole know, argument is like, eh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? I'm the devil. He's the best. Um, but she gets Henri Robert. Um, so. They present all this to the jury. Uh, A-Rod spends the whole trial screaming how he didn't do it and she did everything and you can't trust her and she's a stupid woman and it's totally her fault and blah, blah, blah. And then she's not saying anything. She's just sitting there. She's sleeping through half the thing. She's kind of powdering her nose, looking at the press, doesn't care. And Robert is like, look, we gots to hypnotize her on the stand. He's making that thing to the, he's making that argument to the judge over and over again. If we can just hypnotize her, we'll show the jury the real Gabrielle Bompard. And the judge is like, "Not having you fucking hypnotize somebody in my courtroom. It's ridiculous. It's unprofessional. <laughs> I don't Highly. like it. Besides, she's guilty. It doesn't matter. What's it going to prove? I don't care. You can't hypnotize her." So he's like, "Fine. Can I bring in the finest?" hypnotism experts from the university of nancy to explain how somebody could be hypnotized and commit a crime Mm -hmm. and then judge is like yeah but i'm gonna bring in my experts from the university of salt peter in paris to argue that you can't be hypnotized into a crime so it turns into a whole trial about whether or not you can hypnotize somebody into doing a crime days and days and days of testimony back and forth the courtroom is packed with people. It is like thousands of people watching this trial live. It's in the papers every day. It's dragging on for months. It is summer now. It's a year after the murder. And they're just every day arguing about whether or not you can be hypnotized into doing a crime. Finally, at the end of all of that testimony, Robert is like, one more time. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a saltpeter guy. I don't care if it's a Nancy guy. I don't care if it's A-Rod himself. I don't care if it's you, Judge. She hypnotizes real easy. Once again, just like everybody's been saying this whole time, you gotta hypnotize her. It's so fun. Can we please just hypnotize (laughs) her on the stand? Please, it's so fun. You gotta see this. Jury's like, please let us see her hypnotized. Press is like, God, for the love of God, hypnotize this woman. Everyone's just edging. Everybody's like, please. Yeah, they're edging. And the judge is like, I'll think about it. And he goes off to his chambers for a couple hours. And he comes back and he's like, nah, you can't hypnotize her. No. No, you can't do it. Can't do it. Judge is a little bitch. Trial's over. Closing statements. So closing statements happen to the jury. Uh, Prosecuting attorney, there was one. He's kind of useless. But he gets up and he's like, yeah, these people killed Gouffet. So kill him and jerry's like cool and then little devil man gets up and says uh a rod didn't really kill her what are you gonna do uh but you know he's kind of a bad guy and we all acknowledge it so like just go easy on him maybe a little bit and jerry's like cool and then robert gets up and like makes this hugely impassioned plea not that she killed him because she was hypnotized he flips the script because throughout this whole trial Everybody's arguing against 
her committing the murder because of hypnotism. They're like, it wasn't that. I mean, she was a broken woman already. She had nothing to live for. A-Rod was beating her. She was scared of A-Rod. Like, da 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 It's Any of these reasons are probably why she participated, not the hypnotism. Robert gets up in the closing statement and says, yeah, this woman has been beaten, subjugated to violence, poverty. She's been scared for her life, her whole life. She is deeply traumatized. She's obviously mentally broken. She's been hypnotized 9,000 times. God knows what that does to anybody's mental state. She's literally been broken and made insane by the society around us. So even though, yes, she had a hand in this murder, take it easy on her. Like it sucks being a woman in France. And everybody's like, whoa, what happened to the hypnotism defense? And also, whoa, we never really thought about women before. It blows everybody's mind. They're like, holy shit, I guess when you hit your woman a lot, it does kind of do something to her mind. And like this whole thing that was set up to be like, oh no, what if people are get hypnotized and do crimes is suddenly like, oh no, what if mistreating people makes them broken and then they do crimes? Mm. This had never occurred to anybody before. So... Anyway, the jury goes off and deliberates for two days, which is way longer than anybody expected. And they come back, and they said, what do you want to do with A-Rod? And they were like, guillotine. Cool. What do you want to do with Gabrielle? And they said, 20 years hard labor. So that's what she got. She got 20 years hard labor, and then she was out of prison and uh, lived a kind of sad, but she got to live. She didn't get executed. Yeah. Um a-Rod, they appealed, but he didn't make it. He got his head chopped off 40 days later uh, and then buried with his head between his legs because France was pretty badass oh. back then. Swift justice Damn. for him. And the only reason hypnotism didn't become a valid defense in Western courts alongside insanity, which had just been kind of introduced that mm-hmm. decade, and self-defense, which had just been introduced in the 1870s, mm was because that judge wouldn't allow her to be hypnotized. A lot of people think that if she had been hypnotized on the stand, the jury would have been swung and they would have said she was not guilty mm. and they would have nullified the judge's decision and then we probably have a hypnotism defense to this day. That would be... Fuck yeah. Lunacy. <laughs> yep. Ugh. So that is the mysterious case of Monsieur Gouffet. Wow. Yep. I will say... Um, thinking about one side saying that you can hypnotize somebody to do something they wouldn't normally do, I guess, by mm-hmm. committing a crime, and the other one being like, "No, you can't do that." Or, uh, but if she secretly did want to the whole time, so you the, could probably convince her to do it. The thing that was never solved was her motive. She couldn't even answer it. Oh, and by the way, when she said uh, A-Rod never hypnotized me, mm-hmm. the argument was that he had told her while she was hypnotized to say that he never mm-hmm. hypnotized yeah. oh, her. Oh, for yeah. sure. That's 100% what I was thinking. Yep. But also, I don't know about hypnotism. But they didn't, they never proved successfully in court that he ever hypnotized her. There was just a lot of extenuating circumstances. Um, but yeah, it's still a debate. A little bit now, the power of suggestion. I think the Nancy school did not win out in terms of hypnotism. Mm-hmm. Like nobody thinks you can be hypnotized to do shit. To sleep herself. No. The Saltpeter school is right. Like if you do experiment after experiment, yeah, you can power of suggestion. You can get people to do certain things mostly because they're just wanting to please you mm-hmm. in a subconscious level state. Um, but you can't get them to actually do shit they wouldn't do. Um, against their moral code or whatever. Um, but. but you can totally get people to do things they wouldn't normally do. You don't have to hypnotize them. You just have to beat, torture, subjugate. You have to break them down. Yeah. And so what he had done was worse than hypnotism, but it was more powerful. He'd broken her down until she just did whatever he said because she was scared to death he'd kill her. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously been proven now as like a psychological state it's called ptsd <laughs> and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, it, 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 yeah it both schools were right it's just that hypnotism wasn't really in either case what what was it that was just the best word they had to describe mm-hmm. it fascinating shit yeah 
Have you ever been hypnotized? Nope. No. Me neither. I saw it happen. We do that episode at the end of the season. Should we all get hypnotized at the end of the season? I don't know if I would be. I feel like people have to be receptive to it. Yeah. And I don't think I can. Oh, I left out. Make myself be receptive to it. I left out a whole hilarious subplot of this about medical belief in hysteria, which was still very current at the time Mm -hmm. as a specific woman's disease and how hysterics are more susceptible to hypnotism and how you can tell whether a woman is hysterical by like the size of her pinky finger. And like (laughs) like they were some of the medical shit in here is hilariously bizarre. And still true every yeah everything that they thought about what a hysterical person was like gabrielle bompard happened to fit like she went through puberty early she had small breasts she was short like those were all they thought signs of a hysterical person Hmm. and like she was showing all these signs of ptsd but they were like oh that's so hysterical that's a hysteric person and that's why she's so easy to hypnotize so the whole concept of women having hysterics and it being specifically on them and not men is based in the very prevalent, pervasive PTSD that women experience from having the worst life possible for like hundreds of years under Western culture. Kind of fun. (laughs) Kind of fun. (laughs) If you don't think about it. All right. (laughs) That was a lot. <laughs> Just the end part. Sorry about that. <laughs> the coda. Lisa, yeah. is your story happy? Uh, I don't remember what is it is. Is this Am story I happy? No, it's not happy. Mine's not very happy either. I can go next. I'd love to. All right. Go. All right. Um, do you all know about the Blackout Ripper? No. no. Is it a guy that blacks out and kills people? And <laughs> Rips open sheets. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Ripped sheets just bum me out. And I have some right now. What? Anyway. Okay. Just ripping sheets, man. Um, Gross. <laughs> so in 1914 in York, England, Gordon Frederick Cummins was born. Uh, later on, I mean, there's not a lot going on back here, but later on he married a theater producer's secretary (laughs) named Marjorie. And then let's see, he was, uh, leading aircraftman in the Royal Air Force. And he was like the guy, uh, in the Air Force that's like, oh yeah, I, fuck like <laughs> i fuck so many women and bleh. so he was that guy all right he's um, a real goofy he i mean yeah um let's see he have piccadilly commandos i think that's what these guys were called because they were like stationed around the Piccadilly or no picket never mind sure oh, it's a me. british thing i'm that's uh, yep. Piccadilly Circus, right? Sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah. We get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he also, uh, he was called the Duke because he told everybody that he had noble heritage um, and he claimed to be the Honorable Gordon Cummins, illegitimate offspring of an aristocrat and affected upper class, oh, and affected an upper class drawl. So he was like, think you can be honorable and illegitimate. I think honorable. I'm not sure about that. Okay. You know, he, the Duke, my man. (coughs) So yeah, he was like classic asshole. (sighs) Uh, So uh, they were stationed in uh, Regent's Park, London. So they were going through, uh, they'd go through a lot of different um, stages of this. So they were there for three months for ground training um and then they would begin uh flying training i'm sorry they were there for just regular training then they went to ground training and flying training it doesn't matter but they were there for a while um and then during this time there was uh following the blitz in london they started doing blackouts at night so that you know 
planes could not see them. It'd be hard to see what you're bombing. Yeah. Yeah. So they had blackouts, and this started on September 1st, 1939, on up until um, the 40s. <laughs> he is stationed here around like 1942, I believe. Um, and so this all starts in like all this shit happens in six days. He did. He just. He gets a lot done in six days. So on Sunday, February eighth, um, Evelyn Hamilton. She's forty years old. She's a pharmacist. Um, she's on her way to uh, Grimsby and stops over in London. She's from a small town, um, and she's going to Grimsby to be a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. So she leaves her suitcase at her boarding house in the Marylebone in Marylebone. I don't know, some fucking part of London. Uh, Marylebone? Yes. She goes to supper uh, and she would never return to her property and her suitcase. Um, On February 9th, the next day, an electrician on his way to work spots a torch on the ground near an air raid shelter uh, in Montague Place. So that like they would use torches to get around at night, which I was like, well, that's still a light. <laughs> torches, what they call flashlights. It's just a flashlight. Oh. Yes. <laughs> British people. Man. British people. Yeah. That's true. That's yep. true. <laughs> Fucking biscuits. That's I should have so let good. you continue to think that they're carrying torches around, though, because that's pretty that sweet. Was, uh, really kind of more fun that way i know exactly it it's the second time i've ruined somebody's li- like life this well not life <laughs> just life. like life. their better view of life this morning my girlfriend was like there's this really annoying song they play at my gym every time i go i don't know what it's called but it's so annoying and like the chorus is like i'm gonna take my horse to the hotel room and i'm like what are you you mean old town road and she goes is that what it's called and i'm like i'm gonna take my horse to the old town road she thought it was take my horse to the hotel oh, yeah. room and ride it till I can't no more. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh and I God. accidentally ruined that. <laughs> oh my God. It's a bummer, that... man. <laughs> and she was like, why is everybody like this song? <laughs> yeah, if that's what it was. No shit. <laughs> I'm going to go fuck my horse in a hotel. Anyway, so I'm sorry I ruined the fact that you thought everybody in England was carrying literal torches. Well, around. I mean, we all like to romanticize World War II. <laughs> uh, so they peek in around here and they find a body in the gutter of the air raid shelter. Um, she, the, this body had been strangled and her handbag had been stolen. Oh, no. There were no telltale signs of sexual interference or mutilation, despite her torn clothes, which revealed a naked breast. Well, um, I, I mean, it's possible. It's po- you could like go never mind, but oh, <laughs> that one titty. <laughs> Ew. No, I changed my mind. If you're going to kill a woman, you're definitely going to sexually assault her. Right? As a, if, it, if she's killed by a dude, there's like 100%. Oh, yeah. 110. Yeah. For sure. Oh. I don't know. CJ. <laughs> trying to read. Um, it's, not, it's not being easy for me. Um, so then February 9th, uh, Cummins went into Soho with Air Cadet Felix Sampson. Sampson went off with um, a Piccadilly commando named Molly. Okay, that's what I meant earlier is Piccadilly commando. Like, that's the women. Piccadilly commando also sounds like a sexual assault. Mm. Well, it's the sex workers. Oh, I get it. Piccadilly. So Sampson goes off with a Piccadilly commando named Molly. And Cummins selected a blonde named Laura Denmark. Um, but he was too drunk to fuck. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. So then he, like, you know, storms out. He's like, I'm a big man. What happened back there? And then he sees, he meets, um, oh, bitch. 
Um, then he sees Evelyn Oatley, and she's also known as Nita Ward. She's 35 years old. She's a shapely blonde. She's an actress. And she married a Lancashire poultry farmer, but abandoned him to pursue her Western career. Uh, she was a prostitute mm-hmm. and she, uh, it was partly for the money and because she didn't like being alone in the darkness as the air raid sirens wailed, which it's mm. really, it's kind that's of sad. A, yeah, that's a mega bummer. Um, February 9th, uh, some meter readers were let in by torchlight. Some meter readers were reading meters. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? Mm-hmm. Um, and they found... The body naked in her flat on Wardour Street. Her body, I mm-hmm. assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Evelyn Oatley. Um, she had been strangled. Her throat had been cut out. Uh, sexually mutilated with mm-hmm. a torch, which is so much different now a than flashlight. when I first read about this. Not vampire staked. Oh, which would I, be mutilation by torch, I would assume. For sure. But yeah. Um, uh, she, a razor blade, curling iron. That uh, exactly what you think with that curling iron. Oh um, no! Can opener. Uh, what? Wait. Yeah. How? Wait, wait. These are all the weapons that somebody killed her with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, how? Who is? Did- who killed her? Lisa. <laughs> Tell me. The um, Cummins. He's like going around with these women. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, um, yeah. He's like doing all the like whore, you know, army guy shit or Royal Air Force shit. Um, so that was on February 9th. So we've got, I think that's our second. Um, so then he, uh, runs into, Margaret Florence Lowe. She's also known as Pearl. Who isn't? I know. She's 43. Uh, She's also known as the lady because she has a fur coat and she's got some fancy airs. So she's like the, I've been down here for a minute. Quite a lady, are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a widow. Uh, She is a mother of a 15-year-old named Barbara, and she is a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Um, Barbara goes by Babs, by the way. <laughs> or, or Barbie. Barbie. Mm. That's my grandma's name. Um, yeah. February 10th. Mine's Pearl. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's uh, true. I'm really sorry to tell you guys all this. <laughs> Break this news. Um, on February 10th, they uh, she was found murdered in her flat on Gosfield Street. She was strangled with a silk stocking. Her uh, <laughs> body was mutilated like crazy by a knife, razor blade, and hot poker. What? No can opener? Um, no, not this time. So, okay. Slipping. He could have forgot it. It's true. Uh, I'm not going to. So then there's uh, Doris Jonette, also known as Doris Robson. Uh, she's 32. This is kind of fun. She's actually just a bored housewife. <laughs> um, so she would pick up men for fun. And on February 11th, she was found murdered in her flat that she shared with her husband. Oh, man. Doris's husband returned home from a job as a hotel manager and found the bedroom door locked uh, she was strangled with a scarf and her body was mutilated at this time um, so this started on the 6th by the 11th we're already sit- talking about the blackout ripper yeah five five for five is pretty good mm-hmm. um, yep so then Greta uh, aka Mary Haywood yeah that's what you do with Greta mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm <laughs> Um, she's 32, and on February 13th, a man in an RAF uniform, um, comes in, and he, uh, had seen her in a restaurant waiting on her boyfriend, and she threw, uh, he threw money at her. 
she told him she wasn't that kind of woman. She did, however, exit the restaurant with him. <laughs> when so she was sort of that kind of woman. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, when he pulled her into a doorway, he kissed her and tried to put his hand up her skirt. Grab him by the pussy. Uh, she <laughs> told him to stop, and he started choking her. Mm. Um, she runs off uh, as the torchlight of a delivery boy making his rounds threw off the attacker um, and then this Royal Air Force guy runs off. And then there is uh, Mrs. Catherine Mulcahy. Uh, whatever. Uh, what she's she also, go by? Well, there we go. Kathleen King. Um, Thank you. <laughs> she is a prostitute okay february 13th um she's attacked by a customer in her flat near paddington railroad station oh um so she she actually fought off her attackers she kept her boots on when they were that's and number kicked one. him in the stomach and that's number two always mm. keep your weapons on your feet um and then as he's running off he gave her an extra five pounds <laughs> it's just nice. It's the, okay. that's the funniest scene to me. That's um, how, why you're tipping in that? Yeah. Sitch? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and but he did leave his belt behind. So then, um, when the Air Force man had run off from Greta Hayward, uh, left behind uh, the an RAF issued gas mask with a service number. You fucking idiot. How did you, why? Um, I guess and you're carrying that with you everywhere during the bombs. Maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But still, like, bitch, that has your service number on it. You think that's not going to get your shit together? If you're the type to tip, you have <laughs> time to remember your shit before you go. Um, and yeah, it identified him as Gordon Cummins. Uh, Cummins was arrested on February 16th. His quarters were searched and items belonging to other victims were found. Um, a pen engraved with Doris Jeanette's initials, a cigarette case, Barbara Lowe identified as her mother's, mm-hmm. and another belonging to Evelyn. Cigarette case. Um, the money he had thrown at Catherine Mul- Mulcahy was traced to his payday records, which is also weird because, like, I guess when you take any amount of money, it's serial numbered to your payday. I don't get it. Maybe at that time during the war, the money was... Yeah, it was more like bond rationed, type. Or yeah. maybe it was, uh, yeah, like rationed. Like an actual piece coupon. of paper. Mm-hmm. Um. So his fingerprints were found in two flats uh, where the killings took place. Um, and actually, the father of fingerprinting, Detective Chief Superintendent Frederick Cheryl, uh, he was instrumental in this because he actually started the fingerprinting. Hey. It's like your guy with the pool, pools of blood. Yeah, like Asanya. Um, so they took... Uh, Cummins in for the trial of the murder of Evelyn Oatley. The trial happens on uh, April 27th, and Cummins is just like, no, nah, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Um, like, we believe it's you. It's all a coincidence. And it was a one-day trial, <laughs> and the jury took 35 minutes, um, and then they sentenced him guilty of murder. He was sentenced to death by hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, they appealed the case in June 1942, and uh, that did not happen. He was executed June 25th at Wandsworth Prison during an air raid. Oh, dude, that's insulting to an RAF guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the um, Scotland Yard later claimed that he had murdered two other women in October of 1941. So he had, like, from 41, took, like, four months off and then jumped right back into it. Yeah. Yeah. Had a starter kit going. And then yeah. Was like, mm. The Blackout Ripper, because the media was like, he's like Jack the Ripper, but it's dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
But it's even worse. Yeah, everybody's a ripper now. Well, mm. I don't know. Um, speaking of rippers, uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with anybody purposefully murdering people, but there are dead people. Um, so I want to talk about flight 19, the troop of airplanes that disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. So the OGs. Yeah. So flight 19, took off on a training exercise called navigation problem number one, which means it's like a group of airplanes. They're flying out into the ocean and then they have to kind of use dead reckoning to find their places they're supposed to technically bomb, but it's just a training thing and then come back. Okay. Um, dead reckoning is when you, have a fixed point like so we took off from austin and though i don't have the exact thing i know we're going this many miles per hour and i think if we were traveling due east we would be here so you don't use your instruments or whatever you're just other than you do typically use a compass okay so they the flight leader of this group was United States Navy Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor, who had had twenty five hundred flying hours. Um, he's super familiar with everything, and he's like, "Cool, let's take these guys out." Uh, it's four TBM one Cs, and then I don't know a couple other aircraft everything is fully fueled and during the pre-flight check they realize that all of the airplanes are also missing clocks but everybody's like it's just fine it's the 1940s everybody wears a watch and so they're like well let's just go for it okay so they fly out and it's um supposed to take place Within a couple hours, like it's not a super long execution of this training thing. So they fly out, heading at 030 degrees for 45 minutes. And uh, so they're in the Gulf of Mexico. They're flying out from Florida. And that it's when they're supposed to. So the flight path they're supposed to take takes them into a triangle kind of like an isosceles triangle Mm -hmm. so they fly out for a couple hundred miles then they fly kind of northeast for a couple hundred miles then they do their pretend bomb drop Mm -hmm. and then they fly back to the origination point okay so they get a hundred or so miles out and uh the captain realizes that hey um we're not really seeing the things that we thought we were going to see we're using dead reckoning. Our compasses aren't working and none of the clocks are work- are working. And so their watches cuz the clocks don't exist. Well, no. Yeah, sorry. Clock. I meant there are no clocks. Right. Everybody has watches. Who knows if they're all technically the right time? Okay. Um so it's more about the compasses not working. He starts to kind of freak out. They are still able, they're close enough to land to where they can still get back via radio. And so the captain is calling in and they're like, hey, we're here to help you. Which way do you, which way are you going? And he's like, I don't know which way we're going. He can't figure it out. And they're like, well, point the sun on like the west tip of your airplane because the sun at this point is setting so if you start finally going west you're eventually going to land on land because you're going whole continent yeah back to the u.s (laughs) right uh and he's convinced that he's in a different part of the islands he thinks he's in the keys and he's like no 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 no. i know what we're doing we have to go right and so or right being east yeah. We have to go east. He thinks he went into and the Gulf of Mexico yeah, instead he's, of out to the Atlantic. He, yeah. So he's thinking mm. 
they have to go east and then they can go up and then they're going to hit land again. And he has these other planes and the people who are in charge of those planes but are obviously subordinate to him still are like, hey, man, we just need to straight up go west. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't get back to where we're supposed to be going, we can at least get on land. Can we please go west? And he's like, yeah, maybe. No, 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 no. We're going to keep going east. He keeps going Wait, east. What? Hold on. I'm sorry. I peed. Why are there there a lot of planes? It's a training exercise. It's a training. Ex- yeah. Okay. So there's so they a lead plane. Follow? They have to follow yeah. him. I mean, it's military protocol. Right. Um, so. I'm too punk rock for that shit. Uh, they keep going east. They keep being lost. And at some point. A dispatch person that's still on the ground that's kind of listening, still waiting for responses. Here's the captain say, okay, once one of us gets down to 10 gallons left, we just ditch and ride it out. And that's like one of the last things they hear from him. And so eventually everything goes silent and people are like, fuck 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 there's a bunch of planes that might have just crashed we don't know what's going on and we're gonna send somebody out there to try and find where we think that they are and this is a pbm5 which is kind of like a peanut butter boat yeah boat aircraft not a real boat but it was just big and large and was used specifically for like I guess salvaging. Okay. Uh, so they send the salvage flight out to find them, and a couple hours within it going to search for these lost flights, it fucking explodes in the middle of the fucking ocean, and other boats were out there because. The Navy has also sent boats out to start searching for this. And they see this airplane just explode in the middle of trying to search for the other airplanes that are missing. Oh, my God. Um, so Flight 19 has never been recovered. Ever. Um, they did get lost in the Bermuda Triangle, the lower line of it. Uh, in 1986, there was a group of that same plane that uh, were found by people like, you know, like treasure hunters or something like yeah. that. They found this group of planes in the area that they thought may have been lost, but it ended up having different numbers on it. Um, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So it was just like a group of five fucking planes at the bottom of the ocean that just weren't there um so a lot of people died and what's even more of a bummer is that this happened at the end like i think it's december of 1945 so like a few months after world war ii actually ended um 14 airmen were lost as well as 13 crew members and uh yeah that's the disappearance of Flight 19 in the Bermuda Triangle. People like to think that they were scooped up by aliens. No, that dumb shit it captain was didn't know which direction west Never, was. yeah. Since they were never found, I think though. it was aliens. They never found them, so you never know. I think it was aliens. Or they live on Atlantis now. It could be yeah. both. Atlantis I mean, could be all the way over here instead of where... <laughs> Europe is. <laughs> Why would it have to be where Europe is? It moves it was on the dis- back of a turtle. Right. Sorry. My bad. Duh. Duh. It was what? It, no, you. It was discovered? Nope. <laughs> what you said. Wait, was it really discovered though? No, it was described oh. by Europeans. So I always figured it'd be, you know. Near there. Around there. Well, turtles. So. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing about turtles okay. is that they're mobile. But like, you know, the, well, the turtle. Yeah. It, uh, they just kind of follow where the spice trade follows, you know? 
And yet the Are you basing this off of Finding Nemo and like the turtle in that? Um Those are Pacific Ocean turtles. Oh. Yeah. But he goes through the channel. What what is that thing called? The This is great. The highway. <laughs> <laughs> the water highway. The water oh, highway? Yeah. Are we talking about the Panama Canal? No. Oh. No, no, no. It's no. Like this Around really Australia stream thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. You know, you yep. know, it's just it's turtles can go other places, but they might want to hang out in Europe for a while. You know how like whales will stay in one place for like, I don't know, 200 years and then they. This is the no. highest thing. No, <laughs> I don't know that. Well, yeah, there's I don't river know if dolphins. whales. Yes, there are river dolphins. <laughs> I don't think whales. <laughs> I think we finally hit on a fact. There are river dolphins. Mm-hmm. So how do you think they got there? Swimming. Evolution. And evolution. Just saying turtles can do what dolphins can do and just go anywhere they want. Okay. Turtles are in swamps. I got a turtle in my creek. You realize Atlantis is in my creek. I stopped arguing with you immediately. Yeah. When you said that Atlantis is on the back of turtles, I I knew I wasn't going to win this one. Because I'm right. That's Mm -hmm. it. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How many people have been lost in the Bermuda Triangle? I don't know. I feel like of all people, you should know that. Exactly. How many turtles have been lost in the Bermuda Triangle? Turtles don't get all fucked up about the Bermuda Triangle. They all know about it. They're (laughs) the ones that are fucking making these planes go down. With magnets in their shells. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where do you think magnets come from? Turtle shells. No, they come oh. from the North Pole. <laughs> oh, God, God damn. This is the dumbest shit. We're done. Follow us. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>